Hello, welcome to another episode of the We Are Rail Fans podcast, the series for rail fans by rail fans, where we explore all areas of the rail hobby from around the globe. Hi, I'm Sam, and thanks to everybody who's been in touch about the show. We've loved reading your messages, just like this one from Benjo Armour, who says, What a fantastic podcast! It was great to hear broadcaster Ben Ando discuss the benefits of high-speed rail and HS2, as well as predicting a bright future for the railfan hobby. This podcast is exactly what rail fandom needs, and I cannot wait for the next episode. Glad you're enjoying the series. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, including our chats with the likes of Ben or train driver Ian, they're available wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. To leave us a comment or simply to keep up to date with all the latest news, views and interviews from the train world, visit the We Are Railfans website at wearerailfans.com. Now, for this episode, we're taking the podcast international. And if I were to tell you that my guest today comes from one of the happiest countries in the world, according to the UN, and yet it has no word for please in its language. I'm talking about Denmark, and I'm delighted to welcome Saskia Yelterson to the podcast. Hello. Hi, good morning. <laughs> Saskia, you're a train driver on the Danish railways. Tell us about yourself. Uh, who do you work for and how long have you been in the job? I'm Saskia. I'm originally from Holland and I've just moved to Denmark uh, two years ago. And the first year I've been learning Danish. Uh, and now since March, I'm working for Lokeelto, uh, which is a small um, uh, local um, train company. Yeah, so it's all uh, new to me, but I've been driving in Holland uh, since 2014. So all in all, uh, I've been seven years uh, on, the tr on track now. <laughs> So why did you decide to become a train driver in the first place? Well, during my study, I studied tourism uh, in Holland. And during my study, I lived next to the railway tracks. And the trains kept coming by. And I was like, oh, that could be really nice. Because then I'm far away every day. But I'm at home anyway, at night or in the morning or whenever. So that you can have like traveling every day, but still being at home. Not being like half a year away from home or stuff like that. So I thought, oh, when I'm done i'm going to do that and then i set my mind to it and uh, there came a vacancy and uh, i applied to the job and got it <laughs> what was the selection process like uh when uh, when starting out uh yeah in well i of course uh, applied two times for the job in holland it was uh, several times first it was a call on the phone and why would you want to be a train driver and uh, what do you think the job uh, contains and stuff like yeah. that, if you say that in English like that. Then it was a small test on the computer, a cognitive test, I think it's called. And when I passed that, um, I came into an, um, a meetup uh, in Utrecht for a personal talk with them. And then I was sent to, uh, for a medical test and for a psychological test. And when I uh, yeah, got through all these tests and the results were good, uh, I came to a final talk. And then I started a 10-month education uh, in school and then afterwards a half a year driving as well. And while I was at school, I was also driving some of the days. 
So, so when driving in Holland, did it live up to the expectation? Did you actually get to drive to, to many places and, uh, and still return home every day? Yeah, I actually uh, got a really nice uh, schedule. I drove from east to west, from north to south of, of the Netherlands. So I was always far away and it was really nice. And um, also after a few years, I became um, a train driver instructor. So I got students with me. And that was also just so nice to, yeah, to talk your enthusiasm, to bring your enthusiasm to them also and learn them uh, how to drive trains. And yeah, that's really nice. So was there a favorite uh, route, a favorite trip that you did uh, that took in some of the best scenery? Oh, yeah, there were so many good routes. I mostly uh, love to drive to Enschede, um, which is uh, on the east side. Because it went straight from uh, where my um, um, train started um, at Schiphol Airport. I started. Uh, there was a big shunting yard there, just above Schiphol Airport, uh, and that went directly to the east of um, of the Netherlands. Yeah, my parents lived on the German border, so I could sometimes uh, meet with them while I drove there and have a coffee with them, and then drive back. Yeah, just the things like that, or drive to the north and um, into Groningen, and then have a coffee with some, uh, yeah, some people I knew up there, and yeah, just really nice. That's great. So, so why did you move to Denmark? Well, um, my father has been working uh, as an engineer for the railways, and he was uh, asked to come to Denmark. So he and my mom have lived here for some years. And uh, on their goodbye party, because they were moving to Germany to live closer to me and my brother, we had a party in uh, the old English pub in Copenhagen. <laughs> and uh, he came into the door and, uh, yeah, my husband. I married him uh, almost two years ago now. So uh, that's why I moved to Denmark. And so was it complicated to then become a train driver in Denmark, given that uh, Danish was not your first language? Yeah, of course, um, nowadays, if you uh, do the um, the train study, you get a European license, but you still need uh, like the extra certificates uh, for the Danish rules and stuff. And then, of course, you also need to speak Danish. So the first year that I came here, I just decided I will go uh, full on uh, to school learning Danish. And then try and hope um, if there will be uh, a spot free for me to um, become a train driver again. And then Locato came uh, last October where they were looking for train drivers. Um, and then I applied and my um, Danish is okay now. I still have to learn a little bit, of course. But I'm actually back in school and I'm taking uh, the 10 months education uh, like I've as if I'm starting as a new train driver. Um, and I've just did uh, my license test and I passed. Um, yeah, so hopefully I can drive completely by myself first in January next year. So I still have to finish uh, the education also here in Denmark. So in Britain, we have various different companies that run different train routes. How does that compare to working in either the Netherlands or Denmark? Yeah, it's actually the same as in England. I think in Holland or in the Netherlands, I've driven for NS, the Nederlandse Spoorwegen, which is like the main company. And then there is also Arriva and Valleilijn and some other smaller uh, companies. And here in Denmark, it's actually the same. There is DSB, which is the biggest one. 
uh, they drive all the main lines. And then there is some smaller lines like Kyoto, um, who I'm driving for. So you live just outside Copenhagen. How important are the railways in Denmark? Are they widespread throughout the country? Because obviously we're British. We don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, they're very, they're quite important. That's because um, yeah, Denmark has the same size as Holland uh, wise, but in Holland there is, I think it's almost eighteen million people, whereas here in Denmark there's only what is it four and a half, five million. So everything is very spread. Yeah, so the railways are really important. There's also all direct lines from Copenhagen all the way up to Aalborg, and I think that's three and a half hundred kilometers. I don't know what that is in miles, but yeah, that are very long lines. And they just connect all the big cities with each other and all the islands also. Well, not the small islands, but the three, uh, the mainland, Jutland, and then Fuen uh, and Schelland, where we are on. So how long is an average route in Denmark then? Uh, yeah, they are they are quite long. If, if you take the main lines for DSB, then it will be from Copenhagen either to... Yeah, then it goes to Odense on Fuen and then uh, yeah, all the way, as I said, to Aalborg. Um, or it goes, to, it connects also to Sweden, for example, over the bridge. But my lines uh, only take maximum an hour because I, I connect the smaller uh, villages that connect onto DSB lines, the bigger lines. You're listening to the We Are Rail Fans podcast. I'm Sam, and today's guest is Saskia Yelterson, a train driver from Holland, now living in Denmark. So, what do you drive and where? Um, I drive uh, a diesel train called Lind 41, uh, and I drive it for Lokelto on Schieland, which is an island um, in Denmark uh, where Copenhagen is also on. Um, but I don't drive in Copenhagen. I drive on what's called Oostbenen, or in English, um, yeah, the East Tracks, and Lille Sul, uh, and that's translated the Small South. Yeah, and that's uh, two lines I drive on. <laughs> so is the uh, the Lint 41, is that a brand new train, or is it a little bit older? Um, yeah, it's a German train from 2004, I think it came here to Denmark. What's it like to drive? Yeah, I think it's uh, nice and relaxing to drive. It uh, has an okay acceleration, then, yeah. It's easy to break uh, and stuff like that. It's also only uh, 42 meters long. Well, it's 41.8 meters long. Yeah, it has two carriages. Um, yeah, so we drive with mostly one train or two trains combined. It's fine. It drives nice. What's the, the what's the biggest challenge about driving a Lint 41? Because if they uh, if their acceleration is quite good, uh, is their braking good? Are there, are there any quirks to the train that we should be aware of? Ooh, nay, I don't really think so. I think it's a pretty smart train, but Alstom uh, also makes quite good trains. I think I've also driven some more Alstom trains, not the Lint 41 in Holland. And actually I've always been very pleased to drive their trains. Which trains did you drive in Holland? Yeah, in Holland I've driven 10 different trains. I've driven both uh, train sets, but also locomotive and carriages. So that was yeah very different than a diesel, but they were also electrical trains and uh, this is a diesel train. So that was a little bit, that's of course a little bit special for me now that I'm actually driving a diesel train. 
So how's the how's the startup process in the morning? How long does it take you from arriving at your train to uh, to preparing it, ready to go for the day? Um, yeah, that depends. If um, if I start a late shift, it's just uh, putting in the key and starting the train up, uh, because yeah, of course. that's easy because somebody has already started it up. But um, if you have one of the morning shifts, uh, yeah, then I walk um, into the shunting yard and uh, get the train. I open the doors with the keys we have. Uh, I check the oil and the diesel, how much there's on it. And uh, I check if there is sand on the train. Uh, and when everything is okay, then I go inside and I check the brakes on the one side of the train. And the death, death man switch, is that also called that in, de- uh, in English? Yeah. Yeah, dead man switch, yeah. yeah. And then I do the same on the other side uh, and also check uh, through the passenger area if all the... Uh, necessities are there and then I uh, yeah I call them that I'm ready to drive and then I drive into the station and then I wait until uh, the passengers are there and it's time to leave (laughs) that sounds like a fairly sensible (laughs) process Um, yeah the trains that you're driving over the years is there one that you don't drive anymore that you've thought oh that was that was one of my favorites well I actually um, yeah, it, it's of course different because I first started in Denmark here in March, but in Holland, I think it's not driving there anymore, but I really liked, it was called in Holland, uh, the locomotive 1700 and then with some wagons behind it. And I just thought that's a little bit older machine. And I just thought I was like, really, yeah, <laughs> when I was driving that. Also, when I came out of the locomotive, then sometimes people on the station would just look, huh? Did that small girl just drive this big locomotive? <laughs> <laughs> so what made what made the seventeen hundred great? It's just a bigger machine. It's not like a train set. It's like yeah, it's just a, a locomotive, and then it's also it makes a little bit of noise, and there's yeah a little bit more going on than in a and then in a small train. Okay, so that, now you mentioned that uh, that. You're a small woman driving a train. Does that make you very unusual? Are, are there many other women drivers that you've come across? There are more and more women coming now to the job. And I think that's really nice. There's also just last month started another uh, female. So we're in total with three out of the 45 drivers that are there. But I know some other places there is still no females. Uh, if And there's if there is 20 guys working there. So it is still a little bit... Yeah, I don't want to call it special, but unseen. Yeah. But there is more and more coming now, especially also in Holland. Um, I see that there's more and more. One of my best friends, Maxine, she's also a train driver, and um, that's just fun. Now, the trains you operate use a slightly different system to the one we're familiar with in Britain. You operate stopping services, which are request stops that a passenger can instigate how exactly does that work yeah that's because uh, we drive on a more local track so it's not necessary for us to stop at every station uh, if there's nobody that has to come in or out Uh, so they made like um, a small post um, and then you have to press which way you want to go if there's uh, more directions you can choose Um, you press on that one and then if i come there with my train there's like a small uh, yellow light uh, hanging over the station so i know okay somebody wants to come with me so i break down we have like a digital screen 
I look on the digital screen if they're inside and then I press to close the doors and I drive off again. But it can also be uh, that while I'm driving that there comes a yellow light inside my cabin and then I know that uh, people want to get out. So it's the same procedure. I let them out at the next station and then close the doors again myself and then drive off. So is there a, a minimum distance that you have to be or a, rather a maximum distance from the station that you have to be in order to make the stop safely? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not going to uh, put it uh, down in a like in a full uh, with all the air out yeah. and uh, because that's also uncomfortable for the rest of the drivers. But there is like an announcement in the train, and then they have like some time to walk to the press stop. But they are everywhere in the train, so they just press there. So it, there's always plenty of time for me to break down. And also, if I would. Uh, for example, for a la- uh, yeah, some weeks ago, I saw some guys running to the station and waving. And then, of course, they haven't pressed on the bottom, but I can see they want to come with me. Then I also break down. And But we are driving a uh, 100. So you have to. Yeah, that was just a coincidence that I saw them. They got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so so what's the, what's the distance you are supposed to be from the station in order to break for that station? Yeah, that variates a little bit on how how my speed is some stations i drive through with only 70 so then it's uh, then 400 meters is more than enough okay. of course but um yeah some other stations it's a little bit longer so does that mean there is a greater importance on you as a driver knowing the stopping distances for your train uh yeah i think so because we don't only drive after our schedule there has been set in time to actually stop at these places. So if we just drive through with 100 kilometers an hour instead of stopping, letting passengers in and out, we will be too early on the next station. So we have to know, okay, here it's 47. The next one is 51. That we just don't drive through them uh, three, four minutes too early. So then I would, uh, if I haven't stopped for three, four stations, I would set my speed down to only 60 to not drive through too early in the other stage so that you so that the passengers have a good chance to actually get on yeah. board okay that's very cool I think, you know what that's a system we should implement here i'm going to write a letter to someone and see if we can get that yeah. done. <laughs> there are plans to make certain lint trains hydrogen powered what are your thoughts on this and how different it might make it to operate yeah, I'm very happy, actually, that they're changing from diesel to hydrogen-powered trains. But that's just like I said, I studied tourism for seven years, and that was mainly spe- uh, specialized in nature in combination with tourism and ecotourism. So I'm kind of pro-green. Yeah, I don't really know how different it will be to drive. Uh, of course, we need uh, these hydrogen tanks, and it will be then from hydrogen, it will make it into electricity and then would drive that way yeah there will be some different procedures but i don't think it will change that much well it certainly shouldn't change the driving characteristics of the train nay i don't think so so having studied tourism and ecotourism uh during your studies what would be your recommendation if you were in charge of the railways of how to take it forward in an eco-friendly fashion uh yeah the hydrogen powered trains is a good solution uh, for some of the diesel trains and then also the uh, electrical trains which i've been driving a lot in holland they are also really good if they come from green energy which they do uh mostly 
And it, there's also a difference, of course, because uh, in a train that has a lot more passengers in it than uh, a single car with one person in it. So driving the train is already more eco-friendly than it is to sit in a car. So do you think we should be doing more train routes overall? Yeah, I'm pro-train. <laughs> well, that, that's fairly obvious. As a, as a train driver, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. Saskia, you've been a brilliant guest. We've got some quick-fire questions to finish off. What is your favourite train? Ooh. <laughs> then I have to say that my favourite train is uh, the one I've driven in Holland, and it's called ECM. It's because... <clears throat> You go uh, up the stairs um, inside the train and then you sit um, yeah, above and then you have a panorama view around you. It's a little bit an older train. I think it's uh, from the 80s, the train. I think that's very relaxing to drive and, uh, and just looking around. <laughs> Steam, diesel or modern trains? Which would you prefer to drive? Yeah, that's a really hard question. I would love... I've never driven... Or I've I've never been on a steam train where I've actually been inside. I've only been in the carriages. I would love to be there one day, but I I I prefer modern trains. I think, but the steam trains are really something. Yeah, it's a hard question. That's why we're <laughs> asking it. That, that hard questions get interesting <laughs> answers. Do you prefer freight or passenger services? I prefer passenger service, but that's because I've also worked with that and I know yeah about it. Uh, do you have a favourite country to travel by rail? Ooh. Well, actually, when I was younger, I would uh, travel with the train a lot because my dad worked in railways. So we've been uh, actually a few times also from uh, Amsterdam to Paris. Then just for the day in Paris and back. That's pretty nice. Next question. What will the future of rail travel look like? Will we always have train drivers? Yeah, that's that's one of the hard questions uh, that we've been thinking about a lot as a train driver, of course. Like, for example, here in Copenhagen, there is the metro uh, train that is without a driver, but that's a completely closed off circuit. Isn't that the same in England where they drive without a driver? We have some, yes. Yeah, but because it's very closed off and, sa and uh, safe, it's okay to drive without a driver. But what if something happens on a stretch and it's it's between nowhere? It takes a half an hour to get there, for example. How are you going to do that if uh, the train, for example, uh, yeah, would break down or yeah, something would happen on the tracks? It, I I don't really see it. At least there should be some kind of person, technical person, on board to do something. But maybe. The part where we accelerate and break down at some point will go away. But I still think, just like in airplanes, somebody has to sit there in case of emergency. So, do you prefer driving in Holland or in Denmark or somewhere else? I'm very happy here in Denmark. It's a it's a lovely trek I'm driving on now. It's very beautiful. And uh, also, just driving out to the beach here. And it's literally, I stopped the train and the... A few, uh, I think it's only 100 or 200 meters. There, the beach starts. And I think, yeah, that's just great. It's beautiful. 
So, Saskia, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about trains on this podcast. Thanks for coming on. Now, when we found you originally, it was via Instagram. How did you get started there? And do you want to let people know where they can follow along your Instagram adventures? Yeah, sure. People are always uh, welcome to have a look uh, on my Instagram. Um, it all it's started uh, just as my private Instagram, where I sometimes would put some uh, train pictures on. Um, but you can use like the hashtags um, railways of Europe and train driver. And then I just got more and more followers. And then I was like, okay, maybe I will not post too many private things anymore, but only train uh, stuff. Yeah, and now I'm up uh, to 10,000 followers on my Instagram page, which is uh, called Sasha one Yeah, it's really nice. So if you'd like to follow Saskia's adventures in Denmark on the trains, you could do so on the Instagram account, S-A-S-J-E-E-H-1. Thanks very much for coming along, Saskia. It's been great to hear about your various experiences driving both in Holland and in Denmark. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. And thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do let us know. You can get in touch via wearerailfans.com and use the We Are Railfans Facebook page. Please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts so you get a new episode as soon as it's been recorded. And whilst you're here, why not leave us a review? It helps other people find our podcast. This has been a Listen production. Thank you for travelling with us today. And if you wouldn't mind, please ensure you have all your belongings with you before you leave the show. And we'll catch you next time.